Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geek Wave. This is the low budget show. It's the show so low, there is no budget. An interesting topic today that I, I don't want to say anything about it right now because I want to wait till we get into it because I honestly didn't think I'd be here. There, uh, I'll save it. You guys know what it is. You saw the thumbnail or the title. You know what it is. Like always, we have a couple bits of news to get to, but before that, just a couple of things up top. I started a new show called The Batmaning Of. Basically, I take the rest of the DC Universe and I make its Batman version of a film. We've done The Flash, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern. And I think it's safe to say that the next character we're going to be doing is Zatanna. At the time of this recording, that video won't be out of Zatanna, but that should be the next one we're talking about. It's a fun series, and I put a lot into that one, so I hope people will check that out after you watch this. Also, I said it before, and I will reiterate it here again, the merch store is up. If you want to rep anything from this show, Geekwave, Galactitales, Tsunami itself, the logo for the studio, if you want any of that, it's available for you to check out there. I'd encourage you to do so. It's kind of fun. It's some interesting stuff. It's cool. Thanks for supporting me. If you do that, and if you don't, it's all good. With those things out of the way, we can jump into the news. And this is a there's there's a lot in here actually. A lot of interesting stuff that I I was surprised where we're going with it. First off, I I didn't put this in here mainly because that's what the Batmaning of has become my talk about like discovery and what they want to do with Warner Brothers and these characters of the DC universe. That was a huge discussion they had the other day. I didn't feel the need to talk about it because I'm doing those videos. I will say though, good on them. Good on them for being like, we should actually try to rival our competitor in some way. That's a smart move to do. It's a great idea. It's amazing they haven't done it. Now, the first piece of news here, it's not really news, but I do want to bring it up because I'm sure it's going to play into a whole generation of people who are around the same age or around the same personality type as me. They're going to feel something for this. So, Disney bought Fox. Fox kind of had this studio called Blue Sky. They released a bunch of animated stuff. All of it was really cool. I mean, I'm not the biggest Blue Sky Studios fan, but they made some good stuff. And the films that they've worked on resonate with people and they matter. But Disney shut the production of those films down and the studio closed and a lot of good people are no longer working. And a lot of people are either immigrated towards the Disney side of stuff or just no longer associated with the company. But the studio itself... It said, you know what, we have been working on these films for a long time. We've created a lot of great characters and meme-worthy moments. We should go out on top and we should go out on our own terms. So a bunch of animators and creators over at Blue Sky Studios made their final piece of film saying farewell to the company that gave them opportunities and creations and this all this beautiful stuff. And and they created this like like 30-second short featuring Scrat from Ice Age, where he finally gets his acorn. He eats his acorn, settles the score, and he's capable of moving on of his life now. And I, I'm sure there's going to be people who, like me who saw this clip and were like, this shouldn't hurt as much as it does. I shouldn't be sitting here on the verge of tears looking at an animated shot of this squirrel rat struggling to stay together because i'm just like this is this is good this is what we want to see and it, it's 
you could look at it like finally they, they let this guy catch the acorn that he's been hurt searching for his whole life that's a cool thing too but it's also just like hey we finally got to tell the story that we were maybe going to tell eventually now we can't because we can't go back to this world because the studios that made these films no longer exist it works on two levels and that's the part that just really really drives home how much it hurts it is just so intense and crazy and emotional and i i probably want i think i'm gonna do a video talking about blue sky films but just seeing that clip of, of scrat getting his acorn just eating it looking like okay that was it wanders off there's something about that that is so poetic and beautiful and i appreciate it I appreciate the team at Blue Sky just being like, we need to do this. We, we created a great legacy. Let's end it on our terms. Let's have our farewell. And we never have to come back again. That's kind of beautiful. It's tragic, but it's beautiful. And I really enjoy that. And if you haven't watched the Ice Age films, you should because they are great. Not always the best quality. Some of them dip a little bit, but they're cool. And it's a fun world to explore, and a lot of people should check it out. So I like that. It's just, it hits you in a certain way. And I know some people are going to look at that like, oh, who cares? But if that is where you grew up on, if that is your if that is your generation, if Blue Sky is your generation, it's going to have some emotional impact on you. Absolutely no doubt. So moving on from there uh we got a couple of things this news is a little bit older because i did i was sick the other week so i didn't really jump into the geek wave stuff we have officially i guess is it official i don't know we cast the wonder twins in the wonder twins show is Isab isabel may i think it's the girl and kj appa and my first thought was like okay yeah, I, I see that. That makes sense to me. You get those two names. My second thought was, this feels very much like the Powerpuff Girls casting, where it's like, look at these popular people that people know, people, I guess, like, and we're going to make them into something that's going to be marketable. A Wonder Twins movie, it's a good idea. Like, I, I get the need to do it. The problem with that is... When you look at everything else that DC is working on, like Blue Beetle and Batgirl and Sasha Kaye's Supergirl, I understand where those are going to be direction-wise. When doing a Wonder Twins, you either have to go into one of two routes. It's either super camp and silly and going to be dumb, or it's a parody. And, and, and the, those are fine lines because, you know, camp can become parody. But it's not going to be serious, and I feel like trying to CW this up a bit is going to hurt it. It's weird. I just can't believe out of every single character in the pantheon of comic books, KJ Appa is going to do a Wonder Twins. You'd think they'd get that guy for something bigger, you know? Get him out of the Riverdale, you know, spot, because nobody wants to do Riverdale anymore. You'd think they'd want to move him over but weird i don't know it's fine it's just very bizarre to me so the wonder twins are coming if this actually happens or gets lost in the kerfuffle because of discovery who knows what's going to happen but moving on from there we go to another universe with superheroes because we got our first official look at thor love and thunder and i 
I'm going to talk about Thor more on this channel. I have to. It's Thor. He's got his fourth movie coming out. I honestly, and I mean this in the best way possible, I don't care. I think it looked cool. I'm one of the few people that thinks Thor Ragnarok was the wrong direction. I understand it, the need for it, you know, narratively, where audiences needed this for Thor, Chris Hemsworth needed this for Thor, the world needed this for Thor. It feels like it's such a lazy idea, and I love Taika, it's my least favorite of his films. And Thor Love and Thunder just feels like, what if we tried to do a story that is actually impressive, but it's going to be undercut by everything else that happens in Thor Ragnarok? Because if you just look at this film on face value, it's a guy, it's a warrior god who is no longer wanting to be the hero or the warrior. He wants to retire and find his place in life. And that's a really good character piece. I like that a lot. You know, he finds this new group of the Ravengers and the Guardians, and they're like, dude, we can't be your family. You have to find the ones you love. Then he finds out that the one woman he actually truly did love wants to take on his mantle and become a version of him after seeing the bullshit, the way he messed things up. There's something brilliant in that. I just feel like it's going to be undercut so much by the jokes and the constant quips and the annoyance that is the character. I don't know. That's just me. We could spend all day talking about the value of artists working in Marvel Comics and how they should be compensated. I'm just going to say this. It's been talked to death, but that shot of the dead god by Asad Ribic, and it's obviously an homage in the movie, it's complicated. I'm just going to... I'll put it this way. You know what you're getting when you work for Marvel. You're getting paid for your work if they adapt it or do anything like that. It's understandable. To me, it's like, I will always, I will always, and I mean this in the nicest way, I will always fight for creator rights. If you feel like you are entitled or deserve some compensation for your work, you should get it. You deserve it. You've earned it. You should fight for that. You should try to house that. I'm also under the camp like film has been homaging works of art since its creation. You could find maybe any film and it could be like homaging a piece of French Renaissance art from 1764. And it's like clearly just that on screen. One of the clearest examples to me is just we see things like the creation of like God and man. And they're like doing like the hand touch or like the Venus de Milo stuff. You see all that. And we're not paying the royalties to whoever owns that. I guess maybe because it's not, it's like just so old and stuff. But I'm on I'm on two sides of this where I'm like you sh you don't have to pay them. You, you don't have to pay Assad Ribic if you're going to copy his art. But you really should because they are literally creating the canvas that you are drawing on and you should you should pay your creators more. And that's one of the things that really just bothers me about this stuff. Sometimes they do good, you know. James Gunn, James Gunn will get, you know, John Ostrander in there to get more money from actually being in the Suicide Squad than actually just, you know, like thanking him in the credits. So that's cool. But you should really pay them more. You should really have better compensation for actually putting work into this stuff. It's very fascinating to me. But I digress. It doesn't really matter. Thor Love and Thunder it's gonna make everybody happy it's like 280 million people watch the trailer it's gonna make you happy me personally probably my least anticipated of all of marvel stuff coming out and i'm actually not excited for that much <laughs> literally the past few years of marvel have really just burned me out 
So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but I'm not sold. Speaking of things I'm not sold on, we're getting a Minecraft movie with Jason Momoa. Do I need to say anything else? Probably not. But, okay, why is this happening? It's a bad idea. It doesn't feel like it's necessary. But I'll let it happen, I guess. So, uh, so Jared Hess is writing it or, or directing it. Who are done Napoleon Dynamite. You do you, buddy. I got a feeling this is gonna be more like what was that what's that one that people always compare it to i think it's gonna be more like free guy than anything relevant yeah i don't know what a weird movie and there's a bunch of lore and shit but what why is this the one people would want to make why would it be live action it better be like blocks and shit whatever it's dumb because I really just want to talk about this final piece of news. And I'm, I've am i been saying it forever. Eventually, I'm going to be doing my huge video talking about Netflix. Because I have a lot of thoughts on the company. But they're in some hot water right now for a couple of reasons. First off, they have apparently lost like 200,000 subscribers. That could be for a number of reasons. The pandemic's over. Nobody has to stay in and watch shit anymore. It could be that they don't renew anything or make any money based on their renewals like that. It could be that they spent like $270 million on Stranger Things. But more often than not, it's that they raise the freaking prices and they're saying, you can't share your password. Shut up. Nobody is... Okay. I don't want to talk about this too much. I could literally do this whole video talking about Netflix because I really... I really hate what Netflix did to creators and to content and to the audience. I hate what Netflix has done to this industry. It's ruined it. Netflix has literally ruined this industry. So now they are literally losing more money than ever. They have been in debt before. And now they're losing more money than ever because people are no longer subscribing to them because they're not making any good content because their prices keep going up because they are spending the money in the wrong places. And now... They are complaining to everybody like this is bad. What's going on? So, so their reaction to this, we, we lose 200,000 subscribers, probably more in the next quarter will be missing. Their reaction to this is we're going to cancel animated projects. That is not the answer. It is not the answer. And the big one that everyone's talking about is Bone, which is based on the award-winning comic book. That is brilliant. It is such a good book. You cancel that but you are keeping all of your other shit that is easily mass produced that does not have the audience you think it does. I am blown away. I'm blown away by how ridiculous this company is. And I the, the part that really upsets me, the part that really the actually the only part that upsets me about this. You're screwing over so many creators. And that's what sucks because love it or hate it and I don't like it. Netflix has been home to a lot of diverse and creative content, giving voices and a platform to creators and storytellers that would never normally get their voice heard. That is so bizarre to me. You know, like we're getting all this amazing content that isn't getting seen because they're not marketing it. They're not pushing it out to anybody. It's just they're dropping it. And the example I've been using in the real world to people is this. Did you know that Netflix dropped the second season of Bridgerton? They did. How many people have been talking about that? Or you look back to when they dropped the first part of Ozark season four. 
nobody was talking about Ozark, but people were talking about Succession and Euphoria and Peacemaker and Our Flag Means Death and Moon Knight and all these other shows more than these other ones because the weekly thing is working. It's a very smart move to do it weekly because then you are giving yourself even a little bit of time to cultivate an audience. Even, you know, two months to garner your audience to come in is more than just dumping 10 episodes all at once. Russian Doll Season 2 is out. Has anybody seen it? Has anybody been talking about it? It's bizarre to me. It's insane to me. I cannot believe Netflix. Like, this is just a low blow, and I still currently have my subscription. I can probably look at my hand and count the amount of Netflix projects I'm actually anticipating. The Sandman... But the worst part about the Sandman is it's going to be like Cowboy Bebop on Jupiter's Legacy and get canceled after one season. Mark my words, the Sandman, Neil Gaiman's passion project he's been trying to make for years, is not going to get the legs it deserves because it's not going to garner its audience. I want to see that one. What else is coming to Netflix? Uh, what, what else do they got? I was trying to think on the top of my head if there's anything else I'm genuinely excited to see on Netflix. Not really. I don't think there's anything else I'm like, I must watch this. There isn't. And it's amazing. <laughs> okay, I got to stop before I lose my mind on Netflix. But you you built this yourself. You ruined it yourself. Need I say more about Netflix? You guys, you gave so many voices to great talents. I hope everybody who has worked at Netflix and had a project made in Netflix can use the skills they learned there and put stuff into better stories and just make get go to Apple or Amazon or Disney or HBO or Paramount or CBS, which is Paramount or Hulu, which is Disney. Go anywhere else. Go back to cable TV. You know, it's amazing to me. And the, like Abbott Elementary is it's not a show I talked about, but that is on cable. Like, that is just, like, here in Canada, it's on global. Or I guess that might just be the part of Alberta I'm in. But I'm like, that is one of the best comedies I've seen in the past couple of years. And it's not on a streaming platform. That's cool. That's awesome. Let's do more of that. Please and thank you. So enough Netflix talk. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from it, we're going to be talking math, science, and history. While we unravel the mystery that all started with a Big Bang. Bang. Oh boy. <laughs> so I never thought I would be back to talk about the Big Bang Theory. I didn't. There was never a part of me that thought I would be doing a retrospective on this show. Mainly because I had no intention of watching it again. I, I, I think... I stopped avidly watching it come season eight, that season nine, season eight, season nine, around the time Kaylee got the haircut that nobody liked. <laughs> that was kind of when I stopped watching it. Like I, I watched it when it came out. I think I started on like season three and then I started going back and watching the first episodes and I watched it all. Yeah, I, I watched the show and it was good. It was fine. I was a child. It was fine. But the other, the other th something happened to me the other day. Something I didn't expect to happen to me randomly came across on my TikTok feed, surprisingly, 
and it was a clip from the first season of the Big Bang Theory. And I was like, hey, that's actually kind of funny. I, I honestly, for the life of me, cannot remember the scene. But I went to the TikTok account and I'm like, oh, look, they got more episodes and more clips to watch. And I just started watching a bunch of clips. And as I'm watching these clips, I'm just like, okay, screw it. I will just watch the show again. And I told myself, you're not just going to watch this for no reason. You're not allowed to enjoy things anymore without a reason. You are just going to make a video about it. So shut up and do it. Then you can justify spending all this time watching this crappy little show that you somehow enjoy and it will all be okay. So I, d I watched all 12 seasons, every episode. I did skip through a couple parts. I'm like, I get what's going on here. I don't really need to see this, but I watched it. I rewatched The Big Bang Theory. I am probably the only person under the age of 25 that has rewatched The Big Bang Theory in the past I don't know, two years? Because it ended very recently. I have no doubt in my mind. I'm one of the youngest people in history to go back and rewatch that show. Because it is such a weird show. And I honestly have so many thoughts on it. And that's the part that weirds me out. I'm just like, as much as there's stuff in here I don't like. And I don't care about. There's stuff in here that I'm genuinely impressed by. First and foremost... I feel like I need to say this because it's very, very important to what this show is. It gets a lot of things right about nerds, and it gets a lot of things wrong about nerds. And there is a lot of complexity in that statement. Because this show, more than I think any other like primetime show on television at the time, really ushered in that era of geekdom i know people are going to say it was the mcu look how popular it came yes it was but to your mom and your dad and your grandparents and anybody who wasn't actively aware of the movies happening of the mcu big bang theory is the reason they probably know anything about star trek or quantum physics the big bang theory popularized the notion of a nerd more so than the MCU did. The MCU became cool. It was cool to like the MCU. And it still is. Anybody can get in there and enjoy those characters. But The Big Bang Theory is one of the only shows where all of its lead characters represent that trope you'd see in the classic 80s film or in like a 90s thing where the geeky characters, where the nerdy characters were center stage. You, you never saw that. You see it more now with things like Silicon Valley, but even that is just like a deadpan comedy. This is a primetime comedy that anybody can sit down and watch. It popularized the notion of geekdom. It popularized the notion of nerddom. It did. Whether you like the show or not, the reason these things are cool is because of the Big Bang Theory. It, it, it's such a weird idea that this show was number one for a while, that this show was the most popular thing on television for a while. It was weird that everybody had to watch it because it's such a bizarre show that really, really tried to do something special. So I think you have to look at this as a sitcom because if you look at this as like a, a good piece of fiction, it doesn't hold up. The first episode 
Two nerds are living in an apartment. Their new neighbor moves in next door. She is your, you know, your classic born and bred white American woman. And the one geek falls in love with her. The other one's too socially awkward to understand what, you know, social cues are. And then they have a couple of friends. One of them is Indian. He doesn't understand the culture. He can't talk to girls. The other one's like a, like a pseudo, you know, playboy type. But they're all super high IQs, the smartest people in the world who read comic books every week, who watch Star Wars all the time. These are interesting guys. And this is the thing. You could look at this. Okay, there's two ways to look at like the quartet of the nerd guys, okay? First off, they are the perfect nerd. Like Just looking at them, they are super smart. They get everything right in their field. They can hit on the girls and get the girls sometimes. Like They are the pseudo-definition of what guys want to be as nerds. The other thing is like they are the worst nerds you're ever going to see in your life because they are, they are so distinctive in their geekiness that it doesn't work half the time. <laughs> and it's so bizarre that this is the show. And what I mean by that is, I, I, okay, I consider myself a geeky guy. I, I'm not like a quantum physicist. I do not understand, you know, anything scientific in the slightest. That, that's not my field of expertise. My field of expertise is the Muppets. That's what I know. And you watch this show, and, and you, you get a sense, I think, that... These guys do know their nerd stuff, but it's such a, like, a minute version of nerd stuff that it sounds more like they are describing nerd stuff to an audience watching them than actually understanding what nerd stuff is. So they don't really make in-references towards like an actual fandom. Like They talk about their love of Firefly. They talk about their love of Doctor Who or Star Trek. They don't make actual references or jokes that nerds would make in those fandoms. What they do say is they talk about like, you know, what does the neutral zone mean? And it's like then then's like explaining what the neutral neutral zone is in Star Trek becomes the joke as opposed to making a joke about the neutral zone itself. And that is the, that is such a fine line to toy. And they always go a little too far to actually make it interesting. And that that to me is the ultimate problem with this show is that when you are presenting these nerds, and look, they made them cool to the general public. Everything you like comes back to the Big Bang Theory. When you were looking at these four nerds, the men in particular, it comes back to this idea that they are not real nerds. And that is not the problem. I guess that is the problem. You want them to be perceived as these geeky guys who are weird and socially awkward. But then you are going against that at every turn. Where When you want them to be perceived as cool, you make fun of them for liking nerdy stuff. When you want them to be like interesting, you have to like tone it back like, oh, it's so weird that they're here. Look how sad and depressing a comic book store is. Look how lame it is to know anything about science. Look how stupid it is to enjoy Star Trek. And that's the problem is that it wants these characters to be like self-deprecating, but they're not. They're not self-deprecating. You'll meet a nerd. They know they're weird and awkward. And sometimes that's okay. Like, that's all they need to be. But you're doing it wrong. And that's the problem. And I'm sure, I am sure there was writers in the writer's room and directors of this program that were like, okay, no, I'm actually a nerd. You know, I love Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings. I could talk about the stuff all day. I'm sure they had astrophysicists on. They had engineers talking about the capabilities of the technology and ideas they are presenting. I'm sure they had that all there in spades. But 
it never felt genuine. It never felt real. It all just felt fake and hollow. Instead of actually making a reference about, you know, something happening in Game of Thrones, we're just like, boop de doop boops and dragons. It's not actually, like, how nerds would talk about it. It's just how basic people talk about it. We're not going to do any... We're going to do, like, a joke where we're all holding the ring from Lord of the Rings, and everyone's going to quote the ring's, you know, like, emblem, but it's going to be like, man, we're so nerdy. Like, no nerd would say that. They're just like, okay, this is awesome. Let's get on. And this is where I am going to compare it to Silicon Valley. Because Silicon Valley actually presented nerds, I think, in a better way. And I also think, like, Mythic Quest and Community do it better, too. Where, where it's like they are talking like people in their respective industry that is associated with geekdom. And it sounds authentic. And it doesn't sound like it's sterilized. So, so your mother is supposed to know, hey, I now know who Leonard Nimoy is. He played Spock. He was the Vulcan who's doing this doo-ba-doo. Everyone who's a geek would know that already. And it's not a big deal. It's like, that is weird. So we had 12 seasons of the show. In that, we have a couple characters that are introduced that show up later. And in that, we have a bunch of interesting characters. So I think before we go season by season and kind of break down everything, let's talk about the characters individually. Because there's a lot of interesting stuff with these characters. First off, Johnny Gulecki leads this thing as Leonard Hofstetter. And... He is the perfect lead for a show like this because he is confident but shy. He's got a troubled history, but he's just weird and awkward, and he's he's good at this. This is a role designed for him. Leonard is a really good character. Probably the most well-written character because I think compared to everybody else in the show, he earns his sarcasm. He earns the way he talks. He, he actually feels like a nerd would. Sometimes he gets a little... He, he, he understands social cues, I think, better than anybody else in the group. I mean, anybody else in the group. And he's aware of his position in the in the world. And, and that makes him just a little more compelling than some of the other characters. And he's really interesting for that way. I think seasons one to three of Leonard are an interesting formation of a character. Four, I want to say up to six a good interpretation, kind of stalling his career a little bit, making him just do certain things that don't really matter. 7 to 12, he becomes the snarky, sarcastic one. That's like his title. When him and Penny get married, that just kind of like fully becomes their ideology, where it's just like a weird marriage, and he doesn't do anything else because of that. He just solely becomes that idea, and that's fine, but he kind of doesn't do anything after that. It stops really being his story, and he kind of just becomes like the other guy in the room who is going to make the joke. And that's fine, but you base your show off Leonard, and when you go later on in the show, you switch gears to it being about somebody else, that's a bit of a problem. Kaylee Cuoco is Penny, and she is perfectly cast in this role. I, I, I love Kaylee. I think she's a cool actress. She has done a lot of great stuff after this. Her career, this, this put her into stardom. Like, yes, she had the, what, eight, the 10 simple rules show or whatever. This launched her into stardom, and now she is doing so many great stuff with, like, Flight Attendant and Harley Quinn. It's perfect for her. And she's kind of, like, similar to everything with Leonard. You can pinpoint the moment it stops being her story, and it stops being about this, like, identity for her, finding herself in this world. When we meet her, she's the youngest of the cast members, and she's the youngest character 
she is sexualized a lot early on and slowly matures into being a full-fledged character. And that, again, is the other problem with this show, is that early on, not just with Penny, but with a lot of the characters towards the women, they are they're like, nerds are stupid, guys are dumb for being smart and you know socially awkward, and then it just becomes this annoying thing. Like, that just becomes the thing after. It's like, look how lame these guys are when they're in a comic book store and can't talk to a girl. It's not accurate. Sometimes it is. But that is a select group of people. And I think you can literally pinpoint the, the, the moment in time when it when the culture switched from, like, look how nerdy guys are for being in comic book stores to look how cool it is to be in a comic book store. You can pinpoint the moment, and it's after the Big Bang Theory. So Penny, seasons one to three, very much like Leonard. It becomes her story with him. They find each other. They lose each other. Four to six, it's more her story than Leonard's. She's learning some stuff. She does have the accident, I think, in season three or four where she breaks her leg and she becomes a bartender. Seven to 12, her and Leonard are married. She doesn't get much to do, but she does become an essential figure inside the world. And that's kind of cool to see. We should talk about Sheldon, and I, 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 I could probably do a separate video talking about him, because there's a lot to say. I understand this character. I understand the need to like create this character, and this came out in a time, 2007 was when it started, I think. This came out in a time when this character wouldn't be written as gay or autistic or developmentally challenged in some way so he's just eccentric and weird and he's got like ocd and all these other things as opposed to what we would do if we made this character post 2015 you look at shows like the good doctor and atypical that is i think more in line with what the sheldon character has become associated with and that's okay Jim Parsons deserved every award he won for that character because that is a hard role to play, especially, especially on a sitcom format where you have to, it has to work. And if it doesn't, the character is going to come across as annoying. And yes, he does. And when it takes him 12 seasons to actually learn his lesson, it is frustrating. You do buy that he's a talented man who could actually hold his own sometimes. Sheldon is a very hit or miss character. And he represents, I think, one of the worst parts about a show like this is how eccentric a nerd could behave when he is not, you know, normal. When, it, when a nerd isn't perceived as normal, you get something like Sheldon. And that's very frustrating. I do like Sheldon. You literally, after Leonard, after Leonard and Penny get married, it becomes his story. Him and Amy become the central figures of this chaos and they become the part of the world. And that's fine. That is perfectly fine. And I really think Sheldon's character grows and becomes something compelling with the introduction of Amy Farrah Fowler because she humanizes him in a way that was necessary. Do I think the storyline of their evolution of relationship is perfect? No. I don't like the way it needs to determine their love for each other by making it like other things. But I understand the need to go that far where Sheldon is slowly becoming more tolerable as a person because he is with her that to me is the other big problem where it's like he's only valued in the relationship and the relationship's only valued when he breaks down what makes him himself and slowly starts to open up to this woman it's okay it's just kind of like i don't think it's needed 
the character didn't really need to go that route but the fact that you put him there i'm not going to complain i just think it's kind of obvious kind of lazy but what do i know i'm not writing this show and he got a spinoff good for jim parsons for literally getting that money and and speaking of amy farrah fowler i think she's a character who really really found her footing and then really did it and then it just kind of became something else so I really like Mind Beyond. Like, I think she's a cool actress and she's super smart. When she starts, it's just, here's girl Sheldon. Then it's like, I'm horny for Sheldon every scene. And then it's like, we're married. Why is this guy a lunatic? She just becomes one of the gang and makes fun of him. And that sucks. I don't like that everybody's making fun of Sheldon either. It just kind of becomes frustrating. But it's just a repeated joke that it's so obvious, I don't care. You got Howard Wallowitz, who is the playboy, who's like, you know, the ladies' man type. He's probably, and this might just be because I'm a cynical old fart, he's the character I like the most, just because he starts off as the worst. Literally, rapey undertones. And then as he grows up, his, his like, he calms down, and he becomes a father, and stops being, like, rapey, creepy guy, and it's this more, like, sarcastic dad asshole where he's just going to like openly lie to people and admit he's lying to people and he's just miserable all the time and he's angry and he just wants to tell people he went to space and that is way cooler. So I think with the introduction of Bernadette, he really gets his footing and he stops being that playboy and that's when he becomes an interesting character. You get all the classic sitcom stuff with him where his he gets married, he gets pregnant, he has the kids, That's that's fine. And when he finds that footing and finally becomes a real character that shows you nerds can do it too, that's when he becomes a real character and that's when it works the best. That's just the case, buddy. That's how it works. Howard is my favorite character. Simon Helberg's a great actor. I think that was really cool. Rajesku for Polly. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kunal Nair is cool guy. I think he's cool. This character is a mess and this is another thing speaking on the note of sheldon i think if we were to make this sitcom later this character would be gay and that's not an indictment on the character but it's like you clearly want to toy that line enough it's the it's the chandler bing thing again where it's like you're so close to just saying it but you can't actually say it so we can't let that happen it's frustrating and it hurts the character at times I think there's some good humor with him. I like his storylines more, finding love, losing love, where he's going to go with that. There's some interesting, compelling stuff there. It's not like the Leonard and Penny thing where it's the will they, won't they, when we know there's going to be the they will. It's not like Howard and Bernadette where it's like, yes, this is the one we have to see. It's the Marshall and Lily. We have to have them together. It's not the Sheldon and Amy where it's just following this career and seeing where it goes. This is the one where you can actually play around and do some fun and they do some interesting stuff sometimes. Like, I think in season eight, his girlfriend at the time, Emily, actually can become a recurring character. She doesn't become, like, an official member of the team, though, which is fine because she doesn't need to be. And then we have Bernadette, who is just the sweetest thing. You know, she, like, that character, much like Amy, finds her footing later on the show. And, and that's cool. Like, that happens. That makes sense to me. The unofficial official member of the team, Kevin Sussman who is Stuart, is very fascinating because it's this thing I don't like because it's destroying a character later on for the sake of a joke. In the earlier episodes and seasons of the show, Stuart is capable. He actually asked Penny out. He asked Amy out. He's actually capable of talking to women. 
But as the series progresses, he suddenly becomes like a joke who is dying and broken and frail at every turn. But he also gets the happy ending because he finds a girlfriend. So I guess that's fine. I like Stewart's journey a little more. Again, maybe it's just because it's like the rickety cricket thing where it's like you can beat him down as much as you want and it doesn't matter. But there's something about that character that is redeeming and he's doing a good job of presenting that. And, you know, this show has been host to many a cameo. And the thing, I'm not going to, like, say every cameo, but the thing about the cameos is they either work really well, like Stephen Hawking and Will Wheaton and James Earl Jones, or they work so bad, like Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stan Lee, where it's just so lazy and stupid and not doing anything fun. It's really lazy. To me, the best cameo is Bob, is, uh, Bob Newhart showing up as Professor Proton just because he, he's got it. He's still got the timing. An 80-year-old man, he's still got the timing perfectly executed. There's an episode towards the end of the show where there's like a and d game with Will Wheaton and we just got everybody showing up. That episode kind of sucks just because it's like, this could be fun, but you're making it something weird and it's not doing great. And then when it tries to like, you know... There's another episode involving Will where they're going to... Well, this is the episode where Sheldon finally has sex. When they're going to see Star Wars, and it's just like this big deal, and everyone's like flipping in their seat, and they can't walk, and it's like, uh That is the stuff I don't like about this show. But I do like what they do with Will Wheaton. I do like what they do with Kripke. I like what they do with Penny's boyfriend, Zach. Those are all good storylines that actually have meaning to this show. I like what they do with Bob Newhart. I don't like what they do with other people just randomly appearing for the sake of it. The Katie Sackoff bit, that was kind of funny too. And, and Howard's mind, that was a cool one. The, there's good you know, guest appearances like Sarah Michelle Gellar in the finale. Summer Glau, Glau, yes, in the train episode. Those ones are good. But then there's just weird ones that just don't matter and they suck and it's awkward and it feels so forced and it toys a fine line. I think the prime example of that's the Adam West one where it's like this could either be funny or it could be boring. But they just spend like two minutes in a car talking about the different Batman. Who gives a shit? It's not interesting. You're just talking about the most generic stuff involving Batman you could think of. So whatever. That's fine. We are going a lot longer than I expected for this show, and I guess that's kind of cool, I guess. Like, like that's fun. Big Bang Theory is okay, you know? As much as I am, like, hating on it here, I did enjoy the storyline seeing Sheldon and Amy come together. I did enjoy seeing the conclusion. I think the finale is a really nice, just bittersweet ending where Sheldon finally learns that he should be nice to people. That Like, that's all that happens in that episode, but... It is his story, essentially, at the end. So that's kind of okay. I don't hate where that goes. It's just like a really weird choice. Nobel Prize, that was, that's where it was going. That works fine. It's all good. If I had to pick a favorite season, it, it's complicated. I think I would say like somewhere before Leonard and Penny get married, but after their first breakup... Maybe when he's dating Priya and you can build the tension up that way. That's good stuff. I, I kind of like some of the later seasons too, just because it's better to see those characters matured as opposed to basic nerdy guys in their 20s who aren't represented well. When they suddenly like are grown up, you can represent them in a better way. And that's kind of cool. I didn't even talk about Christine Belansky. Like, she was fantastic in this and Laurie Metcalf. My goodness. 
two great characters, just great women presenting themselves. That was oh, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love them. They, they are standouts for this show. 100% standouts. Oh, The Big Bang Theory, man. What a complex show that kind of like defined a generation of geeks and nerds and also ruined them in the minds of a lot of people. But you have to commend the show for taking a chance and showing this culture in a way that may not be authentic, but it is presenting it in positive light. That's kind of cool. Are the guys misogynistic a little bit at the beginning? Yeah. Are they weird? Yeah. Are they smart and talking about real physics? Probably. That's kind of cool. Do they just vaguely mention stuff in nerddom? Yeah, but that's how non-nerdy people would write this. So I, I can't fault it for that. You gave a lot of talented actors a place to, to express themselves and show their work. You did present our, our type of stories in a positive light. You managed to go 12 seasons, and while it was stale at times, you consistently had one good thing in each season, which is very impressive. And you presented a lot of good cameos for characters and actors that don't normally get the spotlight. So as much as this show did stuff I don't enjoy, I gotta commend it for taking these opportunities. It kept my interest to watch all 12 seasons again. Even if I didn't watch them all fully, I did watch parts of every episode. I'm like, this is kind of funny. This is kind of cool. I like what we're doing here. There is good tension. There is good stories. And it made for a really satisfying watch. Is it a show I admire sometimes? Is it a show I'm going to go back and watch again? Maybe in 20 years, but good for this. Good for this little show that tried to be something silly and ended up being one of the highest shows of all time and becoming something that's literally changed the face of the culture it was representing. That's pretty cool. That's not something that happens often. So good on the Big Bang Theory for doing that. Now, like with every episode, I do want to end things talking about some recommendations. I don't have a lot. Obviously, watch The Big Bang Theory because that's what we're talking about today. Watch everything from Blue Sky Studios because they're good stuff and support that industry. And while we're at it, just go play some Minecraft and forget about your sorrows. Let's just relax a bit, guys, and chill for a bloody minute. So that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Wave. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you have any suggestions for what you want to see me talk about on the show, please go in below. And if you want to rate the podcast, please rate it. It definitely helps out. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Maybe Twitter, not much more because Elon Musk is being a dick. As always, I will catch you guys in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.